With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, October 8th edition of ATS Radio. I am your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Talking week six college football, week five in the NFL. Amazing to think we're already that far into those two seasons, but we got a lot of things to get to here on today's show, including some highlight video breakdowns. We'll do Oklahoma, Texas. We'll do Florida State, Notre Dame. Then we'll do Colts and Browns on the NFL side. Recording once again with Zoom here, so hopefully everything works out. Seems like we've been having some issues uh, with the Skype recordings on the audio side that have prevented us from doing the video side. So hopefully now with Zoom, everything's sounding better for you here, and we can convert some of this ATS radio content into our highlight videos over on our ATS YouTube page. Lots of stuff going on over at ATS.io. There's a big promotion out there right now over at BetMGM Sportsbook uh, for the game on Thursday night between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. Also a big promotion for this weekend. Bet $1, win $100 in free bets if a touchdown is scored in any NFL game for this weekend if you sign up for a new account. You can read more about that over at ATS.io. Also a big uh, crowd booster promotion tonight over at Points Bet Sportsbook in Illinois for that Bucks and Bears game. You can bet the Bears plus 86 in that game. I don't think they will lose plus 86 points. So check out those two promotions over at ATS.io to go along with lots of picks and predictions, industry news, sportsbook reviews, coverage of the legal sports betting landscape here in the United States. All of that over at ATS.io. With that, we bring on today's guest, professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, buddy? That's going well. How you doing on this fine Thursday? Doing well, man. Good to chat with you. As always here, we got to uh, do some venting, do some bitching, do some complaining, do <laughs> yeah. uh, some positive reinforcement here before we started recording on this Thursday edition of the show. But I think it's a pretty good segue into what we talked about on Monday with another professional better and handicapper, uh, Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. We talked about the mental side of this business and, and not only some of the challenges, but also some of the things you want to try and keep in mind that can allow you to have more of a positive mindset. And I know you and I, you know, both of us doing this business on a daily basis, uh, we've had our chats about, you know, how things kind of play out with, you know, not just the betting side of it, but the, you've got the sales side for you. You've got the social media and the marketing sides. It, it can wear you down quite a bit. So, you know, how do you kind of stay above the fray from a mental standpoint? <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, it's tough to do that, to stay above it, That's especially during football season. Uh, I think one part that I do is don't do it 12, you know, 12 months, 365 days. I just ever doing multiple sports all year round. I just, I, that to me physically and mentally would take such a toll. I mean, I'd probably be in the grade before 50. Uh, specializations, one thing, uh, trying to, but you know, one thing I've done this year that's helped me out. One of many things, 
you know what? For the first time in eight years, I started blocking people on Twitter. I just, anytime I get like unbelievably really bad comments, block them. Never blocked anybody in eight years. This year I probably blocked a hundred people. So that's certainly gave me a little bit more peace of mind and helped me. But I think what you and I talked before when we did this, I think is very important. You got to trust the, maybe the results aren't happening for a week, two, three weeks. You got to trust the process. You got to believe in the process, believe in your numbers, especially you've been a consistent winner. And even if, you know, you had a losing season like I did in college football last year, and some of those things are carrying over to this year, you still got to, you know, put your two feet forward and continue to plug away. Well, and, and that's such a big thing. You know, the, the process over results, I think is really important. And, you know, I, I think back to game two, um, you know, of the wild card series between the Yankees and the Indians. And there were a lot of things where I was like, look, you know, I don't know if this works out or not, but I think it's the right decision. And more often than not, it didn't work out. And, you know, start get some hate on Twitter, start to get some things like that. And look, to me, all you can control is the process. The results are going to be the results. You have to make your adjustments, obviously, and stuff like that. But once a game begins, like I said on Monday, you're not playing in it. You're not coaching in it. You have no ability to dictate anything that happens with the outcome. All you can do is get the best of the number, get into the market yep. at the right time, process your research accordingly, interpret your data accordingly, and then come to your conclusion and hope that more often than not, your conclusion is right. Hope that more often than not, you're beating the closing number, you know, because again, that's a very good barometer for success here in this business. And it can be really hard because especially for you, you know, you've got clients, you've got longtime subscribers, you've got your haters on Twitter, you've got your followers on Twitter that like the way you go about doing things. And it is very hard to explain to a lot of people, especially those that may have just lost money on a game, you know, to explain to them, look, it's about the long-term, it's about the process, we lost today, but long-term we should win. It's such, everything is so immediate nowadays. You know, you think about smartphones, you know, you don't know something 15 years ago, you gotta wait till you get home to look it up or you gotta ask somebody about it. Nowadays, yeah. you punch it up in Google and you know in milliseconds, you know, what the answer was that you were trying to figure out. It's just, it's all about immediacy. And, and this business in particular is not about immediacy at all. It's about the long-term and you got to try and keep telling yourself that all the time. Otherwise, you know, this business can overwhelm and, and to some degree depress you. Yeah. I mean, the major problem moving forward in the industry is, you know, a bunch of new people coming into it and they're treating it like any other thing that they're, you know, they're experiencing in life. And that is immediacy. They want results and they want it now. And sometimes that happens, uh, you know, I could say you could be the worst handicapper in the world and have a great couple of weeks, have a great month, maybe even have a great year. Uh, but to me, the, the, sometimes it's dangerous. Uh, the, the people want I mean, every single week that they, they want. I mean, I get it. People want winners. I want to win. But to, to get it week after week after week, I mean, folks, it's called gambling. If they called it, if it was just, you know, something else, they call it winning. If it, you just were, were to win every every single week you got to be careful falling into that mindset. And I think that's part of the problems that I've been dealing with uh, the last couple of years is a lot of new people that haven't experienced the highs and the lows of this for, for five, 10, 15, 20 years. And a lot of newbies that maybe have to have to experience some pain here before they uh, experience uh, the goal, which is, you know, make a little bit of money and have some fun doing this. 
Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily calling for like a referendum or anything like that on the media side of this. I mean, I'm, you know, part of the sports betting media, you know, covering the industry, covering a lot of things, doing the podcasting, stuff like that. And, and something that I've kind of noticed here a little bit, and, and you and I have talked about it and, and we've used different language that I'm going to use here publicly on the show. But when you, when you look at kind of the, the mainstream approach to sports betting, it's sort of be entertaining be engaging. It doesn't matter if the picks win or lose, as long as you get the audience to come back, as long as you've got you know, the right kind of personality or you, you know, you're just a very, you know, bubbly uplifting kind of person, stuff like that. And, and one of the hard parts is, and you know, this as well as I do, cause we kind of, you know, run in the same circles. Like we see the same people, you know, when I come out to Vegas and stuff like that, a lot of us that have been in this business for a long time, we're cynical, we're self-deprecating. Yeah were pessimistic, you know, for, for a variety of different reasons. And that's kind of the hard part too, is that, you know, for us, we kind of harp on the bad beats, the bad results, things like that. And in some circles of the mainstream media, it's like the results never happened. It's just sort of, you know, trying to get everybody engaged, try to get everybody back. And Hey, if we win, that's really cool too. But you know, we just want people to watch. We want people to read. We want people to click. And that's something where I sort of wonder long-term and it's something that you you and I have kind of talked about in passing. It's something a lot of people have kind of discussed. I think in terms of the mental side of handicapping for us, that's going to make it even more challenging because there will be a much larger platform for some people out there that maybe don't know the business as well as we do. And I'm not going to sit here and say that we're always right. Or, you know, we've got, you know, 60% year in and year out. Although, you know, it is something that you've been pretty good at throughout your career, but you know, it is something to me that I think is kind of difficult that some of the people out there, some of the people that are out there getting into sports betting for the first time, they're going to get a wrong impression about this business or just, you know, sort of get, led in a in an incorrect direction and for me that bothers me mentally as somebody who you know covers the industry I feel like I do things the right way yeah maybe I'm a little bit too self-deprecating a little bit too pessimistic and cynical but you know it's sort of a long-winded way here while I'm up on my soapbox that's part of it too is that you know the optics of this business are really changing and it sort of enhances this need to hit these win rates that are almost unattainable on a regular basis. And, and that makes it hard too. <laughs> Very tough. Uh, I, I just think that the newbies into the industry and the people that are having a lot of success, at least gaining viewers right now, they're just playing it. It's a different game for them. Like you mentioned, it's about not necessarily wins and losses. Although I, I swear it's like beginner's luck for a lot of these people, <laughs> these people that they come in new uh, win but I'm just telling you, long-term, I'm not sure I, it's healthy for the industry. I think it's totally fine if you, you, know, if you can compart, um, compartment, I can't even say it, compartmentalize the two. You know, the people that are trusting the process you know, in the long run, more wins than losses over the people. Okay, they're really, I mean, they're really entertaining in what they do. But, you know, when it comes to the, you know, the picks and the thought processes behind those picks, I mean, it's just take it for what it is. So if you can distinguish between the two of them, I think that's okay. But but what I what bothers me is you kind of you're either one or the other, and I want to be in the results based business, and that's okay. Grade me on the results based business long term. That's fine. 
but also don't expect me to be this flavor of the month. I need picks. I want picks right now. Well, what's going on tonight? I got a game kicking off in two hours. I need a pick on the game. Uh, don't grade me if I say, well, I lean a little bit on this one. You know, you got to distinguish between the two, if that makes any sense to you. It does. It absolutely does. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've always talked about in the past is that, you know, to some degree I handicap for content and, and that makes it difficult because, you know, I may not have an opinion on a big game like Oklahoma, Texas. I may not have an opinion on, you know, Chiefs Ravens or something like that, but that those are the games that people want. And in a lot of instances, there's not as much value on those games because they're so highly scrutinized, big betting handles, odds makers have, you know, they have to pay closer attention to those really public types of teams, but nobody wants to hear, you know, thoughts on East Carolina versus South Florida. Nobody wants to hear thoughts on, you know, Texas state and Troy, even though there are better advantages in games like that more often than not. And that's something from a mental standpoint that does bother me is that, you know, sometimes you're kind of backed into this corner of having to pick this marquee game when you don't like it and you lose that game. And it's like, look, that's not indicative of who I am as a handicapper, as a content creator, because I didn't have an opinion on that game. You know, I, I could go six and one on a card, lose some marquee game And that's the thing that people remember. And from a mental standpoint, that's a really challenging part of this business for those of us that, you know, operate maybe on smaller platforms or something like that. So again, I mean, it's, this is, I guess, I don't know, maybe more therapeutic for you and I uh, than it is for the listeners, but it's just, you know, it's a reality of this business that, that can be something that's kind of difficult. And I would hope that by you and I talking about something like this and by other shows that I respect, you know, talking about things like this, that the people that are coming to this business for the first time can, as you mentioned, distinguish the difference between the two. Absolutely. And, and real quick, just from personal experience, you, you hit on a couple things that really, you know, are, are true to what I've experienced recently. It, I mean, everyone knows that I used to do this very popular podcast for several years, very high profile. I can tell you this, that the best bet I gave on that podcast you know, a lot of times a marquee game ended up becoming the most important pick, bet, whatever of the entire week. And it was people, it's not like they, you know, paid to listen to the podcast. It was nothing for me. And that became so, I mean, it, I could have a, a, my best week of the year. But if I lost that podcast best bet, it was a bad week for me going on Twitter. It was a bad week just for business and whole bad week for me, you know, mentally. Uh, so, I'm glad that I stepped away from that a little bit. It's less pressure, but again, you got to be careful with that. And it, it is it almost, I hate to say it, but it kind of is what it is. I mean, take it for what it's worth. If it's just one pick folks, don't beat somebody up over it week after week. Try to be nice to one another. That, that's my main takeaway. Well, as we transition away from that, and again, like I said, it, it maybe was a little bit more therapeutic yeah. for you and I to get up on our soapbox. It was for me. Thank you. But hopefully our, our listeners understand you know where we're coming from and, and where we're going with that. But a couple of things I wanted to talk about here today. Uh, I know you were sort of lamenting this a little bit earlier on in the show. The game in Baton Rouge gets moved from Baton Rouge to Columbia, Missouri. So now LSU on the road against Missouri, where we probably had some value on the total in that game with the hurricane rolling up through the Gulf. And Again, I don't mean to make light of, you know, people's situations or any impending tragedies coming up from these weather systems, just simply to say that, you know, I mean, look, as a betting show, these are things that we kind of have to talk about. Yeah. And 
you know, weather, especially big storms like that, can have a significant impact on the totals market. And with the fact that we're, you know, into the second week of October now, weather's going to start cooling off, precipitation more of a thing, wind more of a thing, maybe another, you know, a few more stray hurricanes, who knows. But it, it's very important, and it can be speculative early in the week, but, you know, this is a time of the year to really start focusing on weather and your handicapping. And Big Ten coming into the mix here at the end of the month. We haven't seen these Big Ten teams. Might be slow out of the gates. You got conference play, which is usually trends uh, under usually early, and then weather. So, yeah, I mean, me personally, uh, you know, if you're looking to, to get involved with Brad Powers, the better and the handicapper, I can. Uh, you're going to get a lot of unders from me uh, in the next four or five weeks because of the weather and, and the other circumstances. But you're right. I know there's more important things in life. And there could be loss of life and loss of home and stuff with the hurricane. So, but we got something. We got to set that aside. I mean, when it comes to your bankroll, it's you got to take the emotion, all that, out of it. So, uh, I mean, it's about getting the best of the number. And with some of these weather totals, I mean, if you get out in front of it, we're talking seven, ten plus point line value uh, into something that's already incredibly profitable when you bet it against the close. So. That's why you're going to hear me talk about it a lot here in the next month or so when it comes to the weather. Yeah, you think about the Pac-12, Utah and Colorado. You know, obviously yep. weather can be a factor there. The MAC, they're going to be playing you know, a lot of weeknight games. Maybe we get some, you know, you're, you're playing at night. So, you know, yep. maybe it's a little bit cooler. Winds may kick up at night, things of that sort. You know, you never It's a really high-profile marquee standalone game. People are going to want to bet the over in it. That's going to drive it up. And weather playing a factor, more value on the under. Right. Absolutely. It's definitely something to keep in mind here. And, and something else to keep in mind, we're going to try to run through, ironically enough, after we sort of went on a rant uh, about how everybody just kind of wants picks with everything in the yeah. coverage. Now we're, we are going to give out some more of those this week on the show than we have in past weeks. But uh, one other thing I wanted to point out here real quickly, I know you were tweeting about this a little bit. We kind of mentioned it on Monday's show so far. So good. If you're an underdog, better underdogs have done very well in college. season. <laughs> Yeah, 60% blindly betting on all of them so far this season. I will caveat that if you look at the sample size, it's basically like, I know this is week six, but I mean, if you look at the sample size, it's only like we played a couple weeks so far, but it's been significant. 60% blindly betting on something over 100 games. I mean, obviously I wish my my bankroll would have featured a lot more of those. Yeah, and, and you and I were kind of speculating on what the reasons may be uh, before we started recording here on today's show. And, you know, like we kind of came to the conclusion, you know, there's a lot of perception bias out there in the betting markets. And, and that's something that, you know, you, you either fall victim to or something you try to stay above. And it's one of the reasons why you and I do power ratings and why a lot of people do power ratings, trying to stay away from some of that perception bias. But I think, and this is just my speculation here, that, underdogs are doing really well because in 2020 nothing has been trustworthy you know we have no idea what's coming around the corner and I feel like maybe we've had a lot of instances this season where the the higher profile team um you know situations where you just sort of expect the status quo from some of these programs that maybe those favorite prices have been either inflated a little bit or you know, maybe those teams just haven't really prepared as well as the opposition. And, and maybe the playing field is a little bit, you know, closer to level here with uh, all the, you know, different lead-ups to the games, different practice schedules, no home field advantage, stuff like that. I'm just thinking as you're talking, and I'm again, this is theory, just came up with it off the top of my head. 
going off your point, maybe a lot of people want to, tr- you know, bet the, the trustworthy teams, the Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world teams that have made a money in the past or just high profile teams. That's usually what the public wants to do, but maybe there's been a little bit of that even among guys like myself. But if you look at, I'm going to use Clemson as an example, a team that's 0-3 against the spread this year. And, and what I'm seeing, they're, they're fine first half and whatnot. Alabama is fine typically first half. Maybe what we're seeing more, and I just thought of this was, okay, it's a COVID year. There might be a game or two where you're playing without a lot of players. And I haven't really dived into the specifics of this, but maybe coaches are given a little more playing time to, uh, you know, the backups because of that further situation where these backups are going to have to get extended action when, when you know, with, if COVID comes on your team. So maybe that's one of the reasons why the underdogs has come in. The favorites aren't playing their starters as long as they usually do. That is interesting. I, I sort of wonder here, and I, I wish that we would have thought of that point ahead of time, but maybe it's something we can revisit next week. Wondering, and I don't know if anybody tracks this, it might be a pain in the ass to figure it out, but what the first half looks like for underdogs relative to the second half. And then, you know, obviously the full game at yeah. that, because I, I do think that that makes a lot of sense, you know, because again, a lot of these teams missed out on spring practices where you get a chance to look at those underclassmen and those backups a little bit more, you know, you had much different mini camp schedules. Uh, we know the NFL didn't really have a whole lot of OTAs. I'm sure a lot of these college campuses, they didn't even know if they could have people on campus, you know, let alone yeah. trying to have all these, you know, practices and mini camps and all these types of things. So that's an excellent point. Something I think uh, definitely does make sense here. There is one other angle that is very prevalent here so far this season, and it does apply to this Thursday night football game between Tulane and Houston. Houston up from a five-point favorite to a seven-point favorite pretty much market-wide across the globe. Total still hovering in that 59 range. There's straight 58 and a half, straight 59 and a half. It all depends on where you look and generally the clientele at that sports book. But there is a pretty solid angle here so far this season that does favor the favored Houston Cougars in this game. Yeah, and you would think perception, even among guys like myself that, that, that handicap this and bet it, you would think, you know, having games under your belt would matter. Specifically this season, when you had limited spring practices and whatnot, actually playing a physical game should be an advantage, right? Wrong. I mean, historically, it's been wrong. Teams that are playing their first game of the season against teams that have already played a game, two games, three games, whatever, uh, those teams that are opening up the season, playing their first game, 57% against the spread since 2000. And this year, even stronger, 16-4 and four against the number. Not like a bunch of fluky covers. They're covering by nine points per game. Small sample size, but again, last 20 years has been very profitable. This year specifically, to me, I for that reason alone, just to, I forget the two teams playing, I mean, it's Houston or pass for me tonight. Do you have an explanation or at least a possible explanation for why you think that's the case? You know, I asked a couple people and they think game film, having film on your opponent is more important than, than actually playing a game, dissecting a team, uh, their strengths and weaknesses, uh, far more important than actually physically playing it. And because they don't have game film on your team from this year in 2020, I mean, that, that's just a big time negative for the teams that have already played. No, that makes sense. And, you know, you wonder about a game tonight with, uh, you know, a, a person widely regarded as a pretty good head coach in Willie Fritz against the guy in yep. Dana Holgerson, who, you know, I think Sucks. last year, uh, 
You don't like, I mean, he's terrible against the spread. Yeah. I mean, but also too, I mean, you know, how many times was he just simply outgunned in the conference that he was in? At West Virginia? I mean, there was a lot of lackluster performances there. Yeah, that's true. I, I just, I wonder for him this year, you know, because last year was such a weird year, Derek King opting out and, you know, yeah. sort of uh, just so that he could transfer. And of course he winds up at Miami and we'll talk about Miami Clemson here in a few minutes, but you know, it's such a weird year for him having to kind of put his stamp on that Houston program. Did they look better this year? I mean, is, is that maybe fueling this line move to the expectation that Houston just quite frankly, looks a lot better. Well, I think that's why they're laying seven, but I think it's building the number. I mean, I got it at seven, and I thought I was going to be much higher on the marketplace uh, on Houston. I was. that Originally, I mean, they were supposed to play, what, five or six games before this, and I was having Houston bets every time that they'd have a, a game line up uh, until this one, really, where I didn't see as much value. I mean, I had Houston as, as the most improved team in the country. 19 returning stars off that horrific 4-8 and eight season, multiple power five guys coming in. Uh, to the program. So there's an influx of talent and experience. So yeah, I, I, that's why they're laying seven here against a pretty good Tulane team. And you got a four and eight team from, from a year ago, laying a touchdown against a team that's played three games against a team that went to a bowl game last year. I mean, uh, that's why it's seven. All right. So this Friday night game, I, I think is interesting for a variety of different reasons. I, I think both you and I would agree that Louisville has been very underwhelming. They've fallen well yeah. short of expectations so far this year. Georgia Tech, we expected them to be better in year two under Jeff Collins. And to some degree, they certainly have been. Louisville, four and a half, five-point favorite, depending on where you look out there in the market. Total on this game, 64, 64 and a half. The hardest thing about this game to me, I, I want to like Louisville because I think they're a much better team than they've shown here so far. But Louisville is minus five in turnover margin. Georgia Tech is minus six. They've already turned it over 12 times this season. Louisville, they only have three takeaways. That's one of the reasons why their turnover margin looks so bad. So, I mean, is this is this quite simply a battle of who wins the turnover margin, wins and covers? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, if you gave me one statistic I could have, I don't care about yards, yards per play, anything, rushing, whatever. If you could just give me, uh, you know, before the fact, give me the, the turnovers. That's more important to actually who covers the game, college football and the NFL, than any other statistic out there. It's even more important than who leads at halftime, who's covering the spread at halftime of the game. It's still who wins the turnover battle, covers, it's, you know, more than 70% of the time when it comes to against the spread. It's almost 80% in the, in the NFL. To me, my number's three and a half. So that would say, yeah, slightly in Georgia Tech here. No, it's not. And I'm going to, you know, talk about turnovers. Who do you trust to stop the turnovers? To me, I'm going to trust the more veteran team, Cunningham and Louisville. I think they're a little bit better coached uh, in this one than the true freshman quarterback, Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech. Because I trust Louisville to clean up the turnovers a little bit more, I would lean with the Cardinals on Friday night. Yeah, my number's three and a half in that game as well. So we're both right there, uh, you know, in line with our numbers. But, you know, this is another case where, your power rating is a guide. It's a starting point. It's something you want to factor into the equation, but you still have to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, again, the, the, the purpose of power ratings, and I don't know if maybe we haven't expressed this enough here this season, the purpose of power ratings is to get line value early in the week. That, that's really oh, yeah. what it is for me. It's, it's to get a barometer of where this number should be in my mind and where I think this number should move. Other than that, by Tuesday or so, I don't really look too much at my number. It's about the matchup at that point. It's about seeing if there's any injury information or whatever else. 
And this is one where to us, you know, we look at this game and we say, okay, we are a little bit lower than the market on this game. But when you look at the matchup, when you look at the situations for both teams, maybe that's where you go against your power rating. And and I don't know if either one of us will here on Friday night. uh, But, you know, again, I think we should put that out there that the power ratings are really valuable Sunday and Monday. And then your handicapping process really kind of starts from that point forward. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know, why do I do power ratings? Because I want to bet the the circuit world openers uh, for the most, I mean, well over 70, I mean, 70% of the time, whatever my power rating on the game, that's where that line's going to be going. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that, that it, it wins. It's just that, you know, a good barometer, like you mentioned, of you know where it at least should be in that range and then the beauty of football why everybody loves betting football handicapping football is because you got a whole week then to dive into the actual matchup instead of night after night after night game after game after game I know you're a baseball guy I give you so much credit you're able to do that but uh that's why I love betting football then you dive into the actual handicap and the matchups and the situation and whatnot all right, so let's talk about that game, 317-318 here, Miami and Clemson. Clemson, 14-point favorite, total 62 in this one. It, it's a marquee game, and I hate to disappoint people. I don't really have a strong opinion on this game. I don't know if you do, but there was a lean that I had before this one got down to 14, and that was to take Miami simply because Clemson hasn't really had to play a full four quarters in a regular season game in, in quite a while. They haven't. Uh I understand the money and the temptation on Miami. I mean, they've been really super impressive. I've upgraded. The only team I've upgraded more in my power ratings is BYU so far this season. And I expected Miami to be improved as it was. I mean, I would favor Miami right now by two touchdowns over what they were a year ago. And maybe that's a little light. Uh, Right now, though, I would lean towards Clemson at 14. I made the number 15. And I know Clemson's been kind of underwhelming, but – at least from past experience, we've seen Clemson and a lot of national title type seasons struggle against the likes of Troy uh, early on in the season. They almost lost one of those games. They ended up winning the national title that year. Usually Clemson's a slow starter. And look, the Tigers have had issues getting motivated for conference games. I mean, they've been laying three, four, five touchdowns on averaging conference games. This is the lowest price number they've had in an ACC game in three years since they played Miami in the ACC championship game three years ago. So I think they do have another notch or two in them. And I expect we see that on Saturday night, not a strong opinion here. Again, my number's 15, but I'm willing to lay it. Although I'll say this, we've seen some 13 and a halfs popping up. They get almost immediately gobbled up and taken away. Be interesting to see if the public actually, t- if this is one of those popular public underdogs. I, I will bet Clemson if I see a 13, 13 and a half. I think this will be a popular public underdog. My line here is 15 and a half. So I agree with you. We're both in the same range on the number. It was more a concern of Clemson, you know, having to play four quarters, seeing how they fare in that situation. If some of their defensive losses over the last several years wind up hurting them now against, I mean, I I don't know where we would want to stack this. I mean, I know last year Clemson had all sorts of issues with North Carolina, quite possibly should have lost that game. I mean, is this were Miami they motivated? They were a four touchdown favorite in that game. Yeah. Is, is this Miami offense the best offense Clemson has seen in conference in several years? Uh, since Lamar Jackson in Louisville, 2016. Yeah. Game went down to the wire. That's the best. But last time they faced an offense this good. 
And and I will be curious then. Uh, this game, I think, is made for live betting. I, I want to see how Miami stacks up defensively. I want to see if the offense looks as good. Because we just talked about it. Louisville's been underwhelming this year. You know, so, I mean, Miami. If, Louisville if moved the football in that game. They up did. Up and down the field. They did. Well, they gave up 75-yard touchdown plays after scoring touchdowns twice in that yeah. game. That was the difference. They lost by 13. That was the difference. You know, they gave up those two home run plays immediately after scoring. So, yep. you know, I, I think there's a lot of intrigue to this game. I think there's a lot of live betting opportunity to this game. Uh, but again, I want to see, I want to see Clemson play, you know, a full 60 and, and see where they wind up at the end of that, because we all know they won't have to do it for a while, uh, you know, here moving forward the rest of the way. How about Virginia Tech in North Carolina? In North Carolina, four and a half point favorite here, total of 59. Some news broke yesterday that North Carolina could be without three starters in the secondary. They're missing an offensive line starter. They're having some players looking to opt out and potentially transfer out of the program. Jay Bateman's got some things to work on here with this North Carolina defense, but we also know that the Tar Heels have a very good offense. On the other hand, Virginia Tech has looked great to this point in time. I, I know everybody wants to focus on you know Miami Clemson. I think this is the game of the weekend in the ACC, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, the two teams are going to certainly take a step forward to competing, uh, making a run at the ACC championship game to face Clemson, in my opinion. Uh, look, I was underwhelmed with North Carolina last week. I bet them against Boston College. I think Boston College, quite frankly, is not that good. And again, very underwhelming performance by North Carolina. That was off, you know, a couple of bye weeks that for them. Uh, Virginia Tech, to me, has looked really good. And yet, the circumstances surrounding them, I mean, they've been looked very good with basically one arm tied behind their back here without 20 players, without their starting quarterback, without their defensive coordinator, without, you know, having a significant practice time. And yet they've gone out there and taken care of business for the most part. Uh, so to me, I could only look towards the Hokies here. And it's interesting because when you think about North Carolina, and we talked about this at the end of last year, you know, a lot of us looking at, North Carolina to win that division, North Carolina to, you know, maybe get some Heisman buzz, you know, with Sam Howell. We looked at North Carolina as a team. We want to play the over the win total, assuming it's not driven up too high. This was a team that had a lot of helium, a lot of public perception coming into the year. And now you wonder, does it show up in this spot? Are they just, uh, is the deck stacked against them a little bit too much with, you know, so much downtime, not a whole lot of time to get into rhythm. Uh, you know, now these defensive losses, I don't know. I think it's a hard game to bet on for a variety of different reasons, but like a lot of games here, you know, as these teams are playing conference play, we're going to find out a lot about North Carolina. I don't know how much we find out about Virginia tech with all the players that are missing. As you mentioned, I think we find out a lot about North Carolina and if they can live up to that ceiling, you know, and that uh, projection that everybody kind of put on them. Yeah, if they're going to live up to it, I mean, this has to be a win for them. I mean, they, they got some really big games up coming up, too, against Notre Dame, against Miami. This has to – if they lose this game, I mean, this going to – with Notre Dame and Miami still on the schedule, I mean, this is basically – they're going to either meet expectations or they're going to fall short uh, of them on this game alone, in my opinion. All right, so let's do a highlight video here on ATS Radio for our ATS YouTube page, taking a look at game 323-324, Oklahoma and Texas in the Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, whatever (laughs) PC name they're trying to give it here now in 2020. Oklahoma, two-and-a-half point favorite, total 72-and-a-half, neutral site game in Dallas. 
Ticket allotments are split 50-50. We'll see if the fan base is travel, and I imagine that they probably will for this game. But we're getting both of these teams kind of in buy-low spots, so to speak. Oklahoma has not played well. Texas has not played particularly well either. Can you trust either one of these teams in this game, Brad? I can. Not enough to say, hey, Big Bat, love this team in this spot. I do lean with the team in this spot, and here's what I do trust at least historically speaking, Texas has been the play in this series. Although, I got to mention this, usually at a bigger underdog number than what they're getting here at two and a half. But Texas is 7-1 against the number against Oklahoma last eight times they played one another and an average cover of 10 points per game, exceeding expectations in this rivalry, 10 points per game. doesn't matter who the coaches are, although Herman and Riley now have been here some time. So I think you can fall back on that. And then the other thing I trust, the experience edge at quarterback, significant advantage for Texas here. This is the fourth start in this rivalry alone for Sam Ellinger. It's the fourth overall career start for Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma quarterback. So you got one guy making 37 career starts, one guy making four. I don't think Sam Ellinger wants his career to be one in three in the big rivalry game, and at least to go two and two, get a couple wins over Oklahoma. Because of that, I'm going to – I'll take Texas here. Although I will say, number looks like it wants to go to three. I'm going to wait because there ain't that much difference between two and a half and one and a half. I say that in the game of land on two. <laughs> but uh, not much difference there, but a hell of a lot of difference if it goes to three. So I'm going to wait till game day. I, I, if it goes to three, I'll have Texas in pocket. And I think this is one of those scenarios too, and we touched on this a little bit earlier in the show with regards to how important turnover margin is over the course of a game. This is a game where if you turn the football over, you're probably giving up a touchdown because these two defenses have been atrocious. And we do see this total going up from 70 to as high as 72 and a half in the marketplace. If you sacrifice a possession, it will probably come back to hurt you. So if you think Ellinger, you're the more experienced quarterback, will take better care of the football than Rattler will, then you probably do have to make Texas your starting point for this game. And he has so far this season, only two interceptions. Rattler has four and obviously two game-ending interceptions against Kansas State and Iowa State the last two weeks. I'll take the experience and what I've seen so far on Ellinger to make less mistakes in Rattler at this point. Well, a good breakdown here on the Red River Rivalry game for our ATS YouTube page. And we encourage you to subscribe and download ATS Radio, the full editions where we talk about a lot more than just these highlight games. You can do that on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, so with that, let's take a look here at this. uh, uh, Oh, I got to stop you. You have all those different media platforms memorized? Yeah, of course. You don't have a job, right? Taped on your top of your computer? I do not, no. but that's impressive, man. That is a good pro tip, though, for people that wind up having to record some kind of video. I don't actually have any notes in front of me, but when I used to do uh, the videos, the game breakdowns for for our Bang the Book YouTube page, I would have all my notes printed out right next to the camera so that it makes me look smart. And I I mean, maybe I am smart, but I think it's, you know, (laughs) it is something that if you got to look into the camera, you sure as hell can't be looking around at everything else, right? Fair enough. And I mean, at TV people, I mean, they're looking at the monitor, the prompter. That's what I need. I need to invest in a teleprompter, right? There you go. Yeah, because I got plenty of room in my office to do that. All right, a few other games I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about game 329, 330 here. 
Arkansas and Auburn, because this line has come down and the total has also come down for this game too. But, you know, this is an interesting game because you have an Auburn team that really hasn't looked the part yet. You have an Arkansas team that is improving. I've seen a lot of stuff about, you know, better coaching specifically being a big help for them here so far this season, namely with the coordinators in particular. But, I mean, Auburn's better than they've played, right? Is this number too yeah. cheap at 13 and a half now? Pure power ratings for me. Uh, say Auburn's one of my strongest plays the entire week. Maybe I haven't downgraded them enough. Uh, I mean, I didn't do – look, they won and covered against Kentucky. I didn't move Auburn's power rating after that game, and I downgraded them uh, quite a bit after last week's, you know, no-show against Georgia. So, again, I thought my – Oh, Auburn remind power... me, who who was on Georgia in that game? Oh, that's right, I was. Anyway, go what ahead. Did I, I took Auburn? Yeah, you, well, you had Auburn at eight because you, you got oh, the early yeah, week yeah. number. And I said under a touchdown, again. I'm taking Georgia. There you go. All yeah. right, fair enough. Kudos I just wanted you. to rub that one in, that's all. As you should. I just, man, I had Auburn. I have so many bets. Yeah, I guess I did. I had eight. So, yeah, that didn't work out. You got a good number, Closing though. line value. Yay. Yeah, Easy right. Loser. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas, I mean, I, I mean, my numbers have said play on Arkansas each of the first two weeks. Against Georgia, big overlay there in favor of Arkansas. Last week against Mississippi State where I played Arkansas in that game, and yet now there's an overlay in the other direction. I think the, the, the market's too down on Auburn. 13 and a half is that I mean I thought it was still at 14 13 and a half right now that's a play for me on Auburn and I respect a lot of people uh, a lot of sharp people that I know have been betting Arkansas but I don't agree with it Auburn minus 13 and a half will make my card and and if you look at some of the sharpest of the global markets out there I'm not going to name names hopefully people know those by now from listening to us I'm even seeing 13 at those so there is some very well-defined sharp money on Arkansas in this game. We'll see if it comes to fruition. I agree with you. I got a pretty big overlay on this game myself. So I uh, probably will zig back and take Auburn here uh, in this one after fading them last week uh, when I had that number a little bit higher in the market. Uh, I want to ask you about South Carolina and Vanderbilt here because I do a couple of different articles over at ATS.io. One I call the opening line report. And the other one is more of a situational betting type of angle here. And I, I was looking at this South Carolina Vanderbilt game because this line's 13 and a half out there in the marketplace. And South Carolina is not in a situation where they lay double digits very often. It is not something that they do with regularity. It's the first time that they're a double digit road favorite since week four of the 2014 season, wow. which was also against Vanderbilt only the fifth time since 1989 that South Carolina has been a double digit road favorite here. So with that being said, this line's gone up from 12 to 13 and a half while the total has been hammered down almost a full touchdown. I mean, is there any way you could take the Gamecocks here? I mean, my numbers call for it. I got this one at 14 and a half. And I think, I mean, they need a win. I, I mean, if you look at their upcoming schedule, they don't win here. I mean, we're talking 0 and 6, must chance probably out of a job. I've been, South Carolina's looked okay for me at the start of this season so far. I mean, played Tennessee up to expectation. And, and last week, I mean, if they punch it in at the end when they had a first and goal, they only lose by seven at Florida. That's very respectable. Uh, here's why I'm not betting South Carolina though. You mentioned the trends that they're typically not this big of a favorite. I just looked at more of a system. I want to know how in the hell double digit favorites do with a low ass total. So I looked at 
double-digit favorites with a total of 43 or less, they're 43% against the spread. So high number spread, low total expectation is a lower scoring game. You don't want to be laying a bunch of numbers here. And we're talking a sample size of about 350 games going back 15 years. So for that reason alone, uh, it's just a lean South Carolina for me, even though I, I kind of want to play him here. Yeah, it's it's really tough with that number. It's just, you know, when you look at such a big number and such a low total, as you said, and the thing that's interesting to me, again, you talk about the expectation, you kind of read the tea leaves in the betting market. This line movement implies that Vanderbilt does nothing offensively in this game. And yeah. maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but you know, again, you sort of you start thinking about how the game is expected to play out in your mind based on where the side and the total are moving. And if you think Vanderbilt doesn't score, you know, you start thinking to yourself, okay, what number does South Carolina have to hold them to to cover this number with where this total is now sitting? You know, if Vanderbilt gets more than 14 points, can South Carolina cover the number? Probably not. Nope. I don't know. You know, and, and also, too, when you think about the fact that South Carolina, their first game, their total got hammered under, and it flew way over the total with 58 points. Didn't have a pick six in that game. Would have gone over without it anyway. And then last week against Florida, you know, that was another total that we talked about on the show here that seemed a little bit high to me. You thought it was kind of in the range where you projected it. And then now they play a game where the total is getting hammered way down again. So, you know, you kind of want to follow the mark. Yeah, that's true. Weather, weather's a big deal. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier on in the show here, uh, paying attention to weather. Definitely something that you want to do. But again, maybe this is more of the expectation we had of South Carolina coming into the season of playing slower, not a whole lot of explosiveness, stuff like that. We'll see what happens with their totals as we go forward here. Yeah, we will. Uh, I, another reason I don't want to lay it, I mean, I don't want to be laying double digits on the road and Moschamp playing as conservative style game that he might be more prone to playing more conservatively if there is weather issues here uh, in Nashville. I, I didn't, wasn't thinking Nashville to have weather issues, but the way the storm's tracking, it's possible that, that, that at least there, there's some wind and rain here. We'll see. Yeah, we definitely will. All right, we'll do another highlight video here from the Week 6 college football card with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers. That is to take a look at game 353-354 here, Florida State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame has come off of 21 across most of the market. That line's 20 and a half total on this game. 52, but we're starting to see some 51 and a halves kind of popping out there in the marketplace. Brad, what do you think about this game here with Florida State, just a massive underdog? So I took Florida State plus 21, but a little bit derivative. I think Florida State first half's better, plus 11 and a half if you can find it, because I expect Notre Dame to be a little you know slow out of the gates. Why? They haven't played in, in three weeks, and we saw that. North Carolina last week, slow and un, unimpressive against Boston College. Specifically, Memphis hadn't played in a month. I mean, they're down 24-3 against SMU before they get their legs under them, and they almost come from behind and win that game. So – I think Notre Dame, with uh, they missed a lot of practice time. They didn't practice for 10 days, Adam. Uh, didn't finally practice until last Wednesday and scrimmaged on Sunday. I, I don't expect them to be as sharp as what they were, at least against South Florida, and, you know, going back three weeks ago. On top of it, th- there could be some guys out for Notre Dame. If this game's played two weeks ago, Notre Dame would have been missing 39 guys. So uh, we'll see. It's not going to be 39 this week. Otherwise, this number would be nowhere near this but it could be 10 guys. That's the expectation. So the, the, there's that into it. And I think the other value point on why I like Florida state here and bet them not only full game, but first half 
is I think they found a little bit of momentum last week. They switched a quarterback, a team that was really struggling to score. Didn't matter if it was Miami or Jacksonville state, couldn't move the football on offense. And all of a sudden five, five possessions, five straight touchdowns with Travis at quarterback. I think they found something here. Uh, so I'm not saying that they're going to compete, but you know, you don't have to compete that much to cover a three touchdown spread. So give me Florida state. Yeah. And you look at this very rare air for Florida state. If this line gets back to 21 and depending on what you cite in terms of a closing line, it'll be the third time in program history. They've been a dog of at least 21 points. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're going against something that doesn't really happen. And for this program, you know, look, I mean, obviously they've squandered a lot of talent. They've maybe had some issues bringing in some talent. They've had some coaching turnover, stuff like that, but they're not a plus 21 team against a lot of teams around the country. One of them, yeah. of course, was Clemson last year. And I mean, you know, look, Clemson's just a powerhouse of a program right now. And as you mentioned, Notre Dame, they haven't played since September 19th. And you start thinking about, again, the game flow and how this thing's going to kind of play out. And if Notre Dame starts slow, you are chasing this number the entire game. So I think to me, even though I don't like Florida State a whole lot, even though maybe they did find something last week with Travis at quarterback, Florida State's the only way I think you can look in this game. Yep, I obviously I agree there. And, you know, sometimes there's a chip on your shoulder when you're a four or five star recruit. And then you look up. I mean, they look and they know what the spread is at this point in today's day and age. And we're catching three touchdowns. I mean, I get it. Four State's probably historically bad. But for this number to make total sense, you mentioned Clemson last year laying a big number against uh, Florida State. Yeah, because Clemson's historically great. Is Notre Dame historically great? Well, I think they're really good. But this is an historically great spot for them, being off for three weeks. And I don't think they're any better than what they've been the last couple of years. So for that, I do think there's value in Florida State. Well, and for those that only watch the highlight video, I certainly encourage you to listen to our full ATS radio broadcast, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. The game that we previously talked about, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, Two score spread, almost two touchdowns, total of 41. This one is moving down because of weather. But in this game, you've got a three touchdown favorite and a total in the low 50s. Generally speaking, you kind of want to take the points in those potentially lower scoring environments as well. Yeah, and you got to think for Florida State to cover, got to get 17. It could it could happen. I mean, you've got a lot of elite athletes there uh, that, 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 you know, broken play. Notre Dame hasn't played in three weeks. And, and, I mean, that could be the difference, uh, just one play alone, uh, winning and covering easily, in fact. Well, so there you go. We got a consensus play here on Florida State in this game against Notre Dame in week six of the college football season right here on our ATS YouTube page. And make sure you keep coming back to check out these highlight videos from our ATS radio broadcasts. All right, so before we transition over to the NFL side of things, Brad, anything else on the college football side you're kind of interested in taking a look at? You know, I'll give one. I mean, this is a game that I bet, and I just don't – I'm anxious to hear what your line on the game is. I don't understand it. Why is Kentucky only laying one and a half or two points against Mississippi State? I, I just – I know my numbers have been relatively low on Mississippi State, but, okay, they had a really good performance in week one against LSU, and then last week happened. I mean, that's basically the full Mike Leach gauntlet in two weeks already with Mississippi State. Kentucky – I mean, who is – I mean, I haven't downgraded Kentucky that much. I mean, the, the turnovers have been the issue. Specifically, they have two turnovers 
at the goal line in their first two games. If they score those, if they make those scores, you could be talking, this is 2-0 Kentucky, not 0-2 Kentucky. So value for me is on Kentucky. It's probably my favorite college football side play of the week. There you go. You want picks? There's a pick. I got Kentucky minus three in my power ratings here, but now that's under three, I, I do like Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky last week, and we talked about this on Monday's show, they were 14 of 18 passing last week. They ran for 408 yards. They ran for, what, seven, eight yards a carry and lost the game. I mean, how often does that happen? Probably never. And here, Mississippi State last week, I, I had an overlay in that game as well, much like you did. I did like Arkansas in that one. Um, they wind up you know, winning the game outright. But I agree. I mean, I, I think that this is an overreaction to the fact that Kentucky's lost two games that, quite frankly, I mean, defensively, they haven't been great. They weren't no. good last week. And that is something you worry about with a Stoops coach team here is the defense has carried them the last few years. But Mississippi State's not going to stop that running game. And furthermore, if they don't, that keeps their offense off the field. And if they get three and outs, Kentucky's going to run it right down their throat all day long and have no problem doing it. Again, this is one, like we talked about earlier, the power ratings are a guide. Mine opened on the number. That's great. I'm excited about that. But as you look at this matchup, it's Kentucky, man. I mean, they're going to control time of possession. And if Mississippi State gives it to them too quickly with three and outs or five and out or something like that, Kentucky's going to score. So I like Kentucky here. I agree with you. Yeah, and I mean, they have – look, Mississippi State's moving the football. They're going to have success against Kentucky's defense. I mean, that's just a given. But K.J. Costello, we're talking about turnovers. He's had some bad ones. It's not something fluky like Kentucky's couple turnovers at the goal line where an idiot player – uh, you know, is reaching it out and, and it gets stripped and whatnot. And then there's just a terrible referee call at the goal line in the Auburn game. I mean, Costello has been very inconsistent, great play, bad play consistently the first two weeks. And here's one last factor. Weather could be a factor. Do I want the team throwing it 60 times or do I want the team that's going to run it 60 times? I mean, I'm, maybe I'm getting led to the slaughterhouse this week. So be it. Kentucky's the play for me. Yeah, the, the only thing that worries me about Mississippi State is that Kylan Hill is going to turn himself into a first-round pick as a receiving running He's back. hurt. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. He got hurt in the last week's game, so we'll see if he's healthy. There That's we go. another reason. I, I missed mean, that one. I, yeah. This is almost game of the year material for me. Maybe I, I, and I'll probably lose by three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I apologize. I missed that Kylan Hill injury. And, and that's something else about college football injuries can be relatively difficult to find, especially now with, you know, COVID and, and all of that. But uh, that's why we have Brad Powers on the show. He can correct me when I'm wrong. And I'm certainly wrong uh, probably a little bit too often here, but let's transition over to the NFL side where things are sort of a mess. We've had some COVID cases this week. Uh, Tennessee has more of them. They may have to forfeit. If not, they're going to move the game and screw up next week's Buffalo, Kansas city game. Things are kind of all over the place, but another story here is that once again, we've got multiple totals up in the fifties. And you know, last week we saw the highest average totals ever for a week and the over still did relatively well, certainly in, uh, in the early games as it has all year long. This, what are you doing with this NFL card this week, man? I, I just look at it and I go, I, I'm not going to find five plays for the circa. I'm going to have to take oh something I God. don't like. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, envy you whatsoever when it comes to circa. Uh, how, how to find five sides this week. Very tough. I mean, hell, there's a bunch of games that aren't even lined. So, uh, and then quarterback issues. I, I didn't do much. I took. I, here's what I took. I'm again, I'm an open book right here. That's why you should listen to this podcast. 
Uh, I took Carolina. I just think there's two franchises going in different directions. A lot of positivity and upbeat with a first-year coach in Carolina. I just don't see Atlanta. They'll probably watch them find it this week. I just don't see it. I think it's over for them. I saw a lot of quit out of them. Even though the market loved them on Monday night against Green Bay, got bet down, I didn't see it uh, on that game. So Carolina for me, I got lucky. I took flyer on Cincinnati. Maybe Lamar took them plus 13. Now Lamar Jackson uh, issues there. Game was taken off the board at most places. So might just luck into a possible win there. And then we'll talk about the highlight video. That's another bet that I made, but not much, man. Uh, I think that the, the totals are now getting priced in properly. And I think depending on what lines you got last week, wasn't it like six, six, two, seven, six, two to the over. Uh, so I, I don't expect there to be a tremendous amount of value on overs this week. I think it's already priced into it. You're paying a premium now if you're wanting to blindly bet overs. That Carolina Atlanta game is interesting to me because last year we saw the Falcons save Dan Quinn's job. I mean, we saw them really rally around that guy late in the year. They yep. saved his job when Arthur Blank was thinking about, you know, giving him the pink slip. And what I believe it was the outright win over New Orleans, uh, something like that, that kind of yep. saved his job there. And, and now they have to save his job again. And you just wonder here, how many times does a team want to step up to the plate and actually do that? You know, how many times does a team want to keep going out there and fighting to keep a guy who hasn't won you anything, you know, since you went to the Super Bowl and blew that big lead? So I think that's a scenario that's a pretty interesting one there with Carolina and Atlanta. And also, too, something that's really intriguing about Carolina is how well they've played and how well Teddy Bridgewater in particular has played without Christian McCaffrey. It's almost like when you don't have that reliance on a player, and I guess the Giants are, you know, the polar opposite example because they've been no better without Saquon Barkley. But when you don't have that dependence on a player, when you don't feel like you have to give that guy the ball, you know, 25 times a game, it kind of makes the defense sort of wonder what you're going to do. And Atlanta has massive injuries in the secondary. Allen, Neal, uh, Casey leaves the game last weekend. Carolina just kind of they look like they're having fun. And yep. also, too, I don't know. Maybe this is an apples and oranges comparison. But what Matt Rule did at Baylor to pick up the ashes of that program and rebuild something, not that Carolina was in the same shape, obviously, but just – the guy seems like he oozes positivity and, and Carolina's not a good team. I mean, if you look, they're talent deficient at a lot of positions, yep. they're playing for this cat and they're playing for Bridgewater and they're playing without McCaffrey. I agree. I think it's the only way you can look. The problem is now that, you know, you're not getting three or three and a half anymore. Exactly. And I want to touch on Matt rule, a covering machine in college. You know, we might be just looking at an elite coach. I mean, one of the best football coaches in the country. I don't care if it's college. I don't care if it's NFL. I mean, now this is, you know, we'll see what ends up happening here. It's way too early to tell Carolina. But, I mean, took Temple to historic levels, inherited a horrible, horrific mess at Baylor, had one bad year, and then boom, bang, they were right back. And by the time he left them in year three, they were right back to where they were under Art Bryles, going to the Sugar Bowl with Baylor. And now I think – not only is Matt Rule possibly elite, but Teddy Bridgewater is a good NFL quarterback. And if I got possibly a really good head coach and at least an average NFL quarterback, I actually think Teddy could be a good NFL quarterback compared to what we see uh, around the rest of the league. Then why not? Why can't Carolina be good, especially when McCaffrey comes back? I mean, I, I like I like the overall positive vibes that are coming out of, of Carolina right now. 
Now, I had a listener question about the Thursday night game, so I want to circle back to that for a second here. Uh, for our day of listeners, I know that there are probably some people that listen next day, so I apologize for that. But this line has just sort of been all over the place. It's kind of bounced around a lot between, you know, there's even some threes, some very heavily juiced threes on Tampa Bay out there now. Was five and a half, six, went down, went back up, all those kinds of things. Total on this game, 44 and a half. Just for our day of listeners here, what, what do you make of this line movement, and, and do you have a, a position on the game? I want to take Chicago, so I agree with the money that's coming on the Bears. I mean, it's surprising it wants to go to three to me because all the money was against Chicago last week in the Indy game where I ended up betting Chicago. I'm like, man, I mean, are you kidding me? I found some three-and-a-halves on game day at home against uh, Indianapolis. I thought there was some value there, obviously couldn't be more wrong I mean they were dominated by Indy so I mean I understood you know a little bit of why the early money was on Tampa Bay but all this late money coming in on Chicago I mean I'll tell you if it goes to three I would lean Tampa Bay minus three at this point I wonder you know and my response to the question was just sort of saying I think that there's probably influential money on both sides I do think that's part of the equation here but also Godwin's out again Evans is doubtful. Maybe somebody found out Evans actually isn't going to play. Um, you know, maybe that's something that kind of yeah. pushed this line a little bit in Chicago's favor. But you, know, you just you get some games. Some, I think I think that people have this giant misconception about sharp money or sharp versus public splits and all these types of things. There can be sharp groups, and there oftentimes are sharp groups on oh, yeah. both sides of a game. You know, so I think that there's just kind of this this idea out there that you know one side is sharp and the other side isn't. That's not true. There will be respected money on both sides of a game, generally more often than not. And and yeah, we always note the line moves where it looks like it's sharp versus public, or there's a lot of one-sided sharp money, stuff like that. We pick up on those, but there are a lot of times, especially in a very tight NFL market where the number seems to matter a lot more than it does in college football, where there's just going to be sharp money on both sides. And and sometimes the timing or the nature of that group or those deep pocketed individuals will cause the line to move. Timing's big. And because there's sharp groups that are betting earlier in the week, there's sharp groups that wait till the limits open up late in the week because they got deeper pockets. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, way more sharper than the, the group that bets a little bit earlier. You, <laughs> there's so much nuance to this industry. It's incredible. Hell there could be sh- the same sharp group on both different sides of the same, I mean, on both different sides of the same game, it's numbers folks. I'll lay three with Tampa Bay. I would have probably, I would have taken five and a half with Chicago. I mean, a lot of it's just about the number, getting the right number. No, I I absolutely agree with you. I very much agree with you. And again, you know, the, the people that grab numbers early in the week are doing so at lower limits. The people that are playing the day before the game, game day, something like that, especially the sharper groups, they're getting a lot more money down and that definitely can kind of throw off the counts for the books and stuff like that. And of course they have to read and react and adjust. So, you know, I think it's probably just sharp money on both sides of this game for one reason or another. And, you know, we'll see it. It probably winds up landing four or something and the books get sided on it or, or whatever, but you know, we'll see what winds up happening here. I do like (laughs) the under a little bit in this game, not in love with it, but I I do lean that that way in that one. Um, one other game I want to ask you about here, and then we'll get to the highlight game. The Rams in Washington. This one's come all the way down to seven here. It is seven with some extra juice on the favorite Rams who are going west to east yet again. Total on this game, 45. But this line appears to have moved with the announcement that Washington will go with Kyle Allen 
instead of Dwayne Haskins. And Dwayne Haskins has not been good. He's also not the problem. What do you think about this line move here? It's sort of implying that, you know, Allen is, is either better or at least more trustworthy than Haskins. It's intriguing. And I think it was, there was some info getting leaked on it because we saw Washington before the announcement starting to take some money in the marketplace. And there was a lot of like, Oh, wow, this is interesting. Washington's taking money in this game. I'm sure there was a little bit of inside info there. I'm not going to say I disagree with it. Dwayne Haskins has been terrible. Kyle Allen, at least at times last year, Carolina looked okay. Certainly looked better than what Haskins has looked. So I'm not going to disagree with it. Uh, we'll, if the money continues to climb in and become – I don't expect – it can't come off this seven, right? If it does, then I, I would actually take the Rams, even though it's a terrible spot for him, third East Coast trip in four weeks. Although McVay cut his teeth on, at Washington as an OC, so the game means a little bit something to him. And they've been damn good on the East Coast with McVay. I think they're like 9-2 and two straight up and against the spread uh, on East Coast games. Yeah, I just I, – I don't know. And I understand that Ron Rivera wants to go with the guy that he trusts. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know – it's a if, negative? I don't know if I would call it a negative. I just – I feel like it's such a weird situation where Rivera comes in and, you know, he had no part in drafting Dwayne Haskins. You know, he probably wouldn't have taken Dwayne Haskins. Apparently, most head coaches probably wouldn't have. So he doesn't have to show any loyalty – to Haskins. And now you wonder from a team standpoint, Kyle Allen is a placeholder. Now they're in the quarterback market yet again. So I sort of wonder, I look at it and go, what do the players think about all of this where they know now that for the rest of this season, they face starting over again next year. They face probably drafting a quarterback or signing one in free agency, something like that, and starting all over yet again. So it makes me wonder from a team standpoint, what morale is like to where okay, is Rivera just playing favorites and going with his guy? Because the way he's made it sound in quotes, and I saw one from him where he's like, you know, we can't sit here and teach one guy and let the other 52 kind of figure it out for themselves. And I'm like, well, that's an awful damning statement of Dwayne Haskins. So I just sort of wonder the mindset of Washington now to where they know that this season, even though the NFC East is an absolute dumpster fire, that they're starting over again next year. And I sort of wonder how that resonates through the entire Mm -hmm. roster. Excellent point. Uh, And look, I don't believe in tanking in the NFL, but I do think sometimes uh, teams might put themselves in less optimal positions. Maybe there is a little bit of that going on with, you know, Trevor Lawrence, the almighty Trevor Lawrence hanging out there uh, in the draft uh, coming up this year. Or maybe Washington loves Trey Lance. I, I don't know. I guess we'll, oh, we'll kind of have to wait. I, just, I wouldn't draft him. That's just me. <laughs> Let me you ask know, you about this. In terms, in terms of things resonating through a team, Jacksonville and Houston, Houston minus six. Everybody knows where I'm going with this. Bill O'Brien gets shit canned, deserves it. Not a good GM. Maybe he's a decent game planner, but he's not a good in-game head coach at all. Apparently got into it with J.J. Watt, and that was kind of the last straw, not to mention losing to Minnesota last week. Does, does Houston get that one-week bump? Are we kind of overvaluing what it could mean for a team that has more issues than the head coach? Uh, I think they do. I think they play free. I think they play loose. And, and I think the biggest factor is they are making a major step down in level of competition. Are you kidding me? I'm in Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I think an elite head coach last week in Minnesota that was desperate, also themselves for a win in 0-3, and now Jacksonville. So I think that's part of it. 
I, I do think they get a one-game bump here. I, I want to take – if I had a Circa uh, or a Super Contest, Houston at minus six would be in the mix for me. Yeah, I, I think it's going to have to be in the mix for me too, almost largely by default. But we have yeah. seen that one-game bump, or at least – you know, more than a one-game bump. I mean, we've seen teams in the NHL, for example, switch coaches mid-season and suddenly go on a run. The Penguins did it, won the Cup. Um, you know, we saw, you know, Dallas had to do it this year. Uh, St. Louis did it last year. We've seen teams in other sports, you know, make these changes and really go on a run, really go on a push. I don't think Houston goes on a full-season push. But, you know, look, Romeo Cornell is also 73 years old. He's been around the organization forever. There's something they like about this guy. And, Maybe yep. the team plays harder for him. You know, Watts already talked about. At least one about, game you could see it. Right. I, I mean, J.J. Watts already talked about, you know, the, the new positivity and how Cornell's got a smile on his face and this and that. And, you know, when you're 0-4, the last thing you want to do is walk into Bill O'Brien's office and he's got that, you know, sourpuss on his face because things aren't going his way. You know, now you at least get Cornell, who he knows he's on house money. He knows he's not getting this job full-time, all that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would, I guess I would have to, you know, look Houston more than anything there uh, in that one, but let's go ahead and talk about a highlight game breakdown here on our ATS YouTube page. Most would say the game of the week game 473, 474, Indianapolis and Cleveland Colts minus one and a half total 46 for this one. Interesting game for a variety of different reasons. Does Brad powers have a thought on it? Yeah, I fired on the under, which is tough in today's day and age uh, of the NFL, but I think Indianapolis' defense is legit. Now, let me caveat and say they're taking a step up in level of competition offensively in the Browns this week, but I just think, you know, I'm not sure the market in this year where, you know, over's been hitting 60% is going to properly price how good Indianapolis' defense has been. And, 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 I mean, last week they even gave up a late score. Otherwise, I mean, that's three points against Chicago on the road there. Uh, offensively, I got concerns, though, with the Colts. And it's Phillip Rivers, he can't throw a D. So, I think they are the perfect – that team alone, the Colts, perfect under team. Now I go to the other side of the ball on Cleveland. Certainly defense has some issues there. Uh, but, again, level of competition has been okay. I, I do think tr- uh, Joe Burrow is going to turn out to be a pretty good NFL quarterback, so they gave up a lot of points there. Prescott's been putting numbers up on everybody. So, again, Cleveland gave up a lot of points there. Not sure the Colts are going to have that same type of success. What I am going to – and here's the mispricing for me in this one. I don't expect Cleveland to have – a type of offensive performance that they've had the last three weeks. When they had to step up and play a very good defense, what they get? Week one, what was it? Seven points, six points, whatever it was against Baltimore. They aren't facing Washington. They're not facing Dallas. They're not facing Cincinnati here on the defense side of the ball. You lose Nick Chubb, I get a Kareem Hump can step in and play and be very capable there, but I don't expect Baker Mayfield and company to have success. Under for me, finally, Weather can always be a factor in Cleveland. You live there. I lived there for years. I mean, it's late October. You get a little bit of a breeze off the lake there. I mean, a good day can turn into a bad day real quick. Yeah, you know, when you look at the Browns, I mean, you know, one of the two of the big things really that have helped them here in their games against Washington and Dallas have been turnovers. They've had a lot of short fields. They haven't really been asked to drive the length of the field a whole lot. Maybe they are here in this game against the Colts, you would think. Rivers would take care of the football as much as he possibly can. I do like Cleveland in this game, and it's not a homer pick or anything like that. There are a few different reasons. One, 
Philip Rivers just doesn't win close games. And, and this game is expected to be close. He's not good in those games that come down to the last possession. He's got a knack for throwing that bad turnover or taking that sack because he's as mobile as an Easter Island statue. And <laughs> the, the thing about this game is that you've got two really good offensive lines, but the Browns have a better pass rush. So I think that they can disrupt Philip Rivers a little bit more. The Browns have been moving Baker Mayfield as much as they can. They've used a lot of pre-snap motion and stuff like that. That helps. That throws the defense out of whack. And the Colts are going to be missing probably Darius Leonard. They're missing some key guys in the secondary. And the Browns have shown a really good ability to run the football this year. And I know everybody's down on the run across the league because it's easier to move it with the pass than it is with the run. But you can run on the Colts. I know teams haven't done it yet. But you can run on the Colts with the way that they scheme defensively unless they're willing to dramatically change something up. The Browns have the best rushing attack that the Colts have seen this season by, I think, a decent margin. I know Minnesota runs the football well with Cook, but the Browns have a lot more looks in their running game, even without Nick Chubb. So I think those things, schematically, the X's and O's really help Cleveland in this spot. And lastly, this Indianapolis offense – They are number one in starting field position this year, and they still have not done a very good job converting that into points. So I think Indianapolis's offense is due for some regression. I think their defense is due for some regression as they face better competition. I do like Cleveland here and the Browns, again, not being a homer as a Cleveland guy here, uh, are one of my favorite NFL picks of the week and will make my circuit card uh, for tomorrow's show. That's strong. In fact, so strong you just talked me into the Browns. I'll have... I hate betting them, though. <laughs> but I'm going to get a Venmo I, request from you on Sunday night. Give me my damn Browns money. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll make a bet. Half for you, half for me. Uh, you know what? I mean, look, I, I, I think that, again, and maybe it's unfair to hold this against Indianapolis, but they've really played a very weak schedule. They've not played teams that are competent on both sides of the ball. And I don't know if the Browns are competent on defense as they get more guys back, we'll kind of find that out. But again, these are, you know, first-year coordinators, first-year head coach, and I think I've seen improvement each week. So, you know, again, I, I got to go with Cleveland here. And, you know, that was at least one of the teams coming into it, first-year coaches that I was not looking to bet against this year, uh, just because, I mean, you knew there was going to be an upgrade at the head coaching spot with Stefanski over Freddie Kitchens, so... I don't know. I guess I'm so cautiously uh, opti- I wouldn't even put, I don't even want to put optimistic with, with Cleveland. I'm just, I've been so disappointed by the Browns. They are the one team I, in the NFL I kind of root for. And it's been such heartbreak for, for 25, 30 years that I mean, I mean, this would be a big win. Oh, it's, I it's, mean, you win this one, you start talking playoffs, buddy. Yeah. Oh, easily without, I mean, they're already, you know, uh, they're, they're well over 60% to make the playoffs now based on their remaining schedule. So you you get this one, you know, in in what's sort of a toss up type of game, you know, a 54, 46 type game. Yeah. I mean, you have to start talking about that and I agree. I'm a cynic. I'm a pessimist. I'm jaded as can be because the Indians are my number one team and God knows they'll never win anything ever again, but I, I understand it. And, and, you know, again, we talk about, perception biases I don't want to run too long with this highlight video but there is that perception out there about Cleveland that you know they've been this popular team this team that sharp betters have lost money on for several years in a row people out there in the betting market don't want to trust Cleveland and I wonder what happens with this number as we get closer to kickoff in that regard 
I think the sharp money is on Cleveland here. We've seen it already come down. Uh, it, it, I mean, does it go lower? I'm not sure. I, I think it'll, it'll be right around this range. That's my prediction. So this was a highlight video here talking about the Colts and Browns. We got other highlight videos on college football, the NFL, all sorts of different things on our ATS YouTube page. And like I said, we highly encourage you to subscribe and download to the editions here of ATS Radio, our full podcast, which includes a lot more topics and talking points and a lot more games as well. Brad, anything else on the NFL card before we sign off? I, I don't have a timestamp here, so I don't even know how long we went. Feels like it's uh, blown by, but I feel like when I start editing it, we'll have talked for a while. Uh, anything else on the NFL card you want to touch on? Nah, there really isn't. I, you know, Kansas City's in a, just a really bad spot, but it looks like they're going to get bailed out uh, with the Buffalo game possibly moving back. I mean, what do you do with Kansas City? Do you go all out? for a little bit against the Raiders and then pull back with a, a you know, you already played on Monday and you're you supposed to have a game on Thursday against a really good Buffalo team. You already got to start positioning yourself one seed, two seed in, in the AFC, uh, you know, Raiders a little bit, I thought was worth it. Well, who knows though? I mean, if the Buffalo game gets moved back, I don't like it as much. You know, which NFL team is second in the league in uh, scoring percentage on their possessions. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. 55.3% of their possessions they've scored on. So the over 55. I don't like, I don't like the over. I do not like the over in this game because the one thing that worries me is Kansas city goes up 21, nothing in the first quarter and just sits on it. You know, I I think that's what that would be optimal for them. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. To me, if you're asking me what's going to happen in this game, that to me is the most likely thing. So that therefore I don't want over, and I don't want Kansas City full game. If you're going to bet Kansas City, I think you attack them first half. I think so, too. And, and this is one of those scenarios where the Raiders may end up on my card just because, again, I think the spot is bad. And, and you know, I mean, look, Derek Carr, he's not great, obviously. I mean, he, he doesn't go vertical. He's not super mobile, anything like that. But if you get him in a position in the second half where Kansas City is just sitting on a lead, he doesn't throw downfield anyway. So if they're going to give him six, seven yards an attempt, just to you know, let the clock bleed out. I mean, that's what Derek Carr does to move the offense to begin with. So yeah. I, I guess maybe the Raiders wind up on the short list here. But again, just in general, not a great NFL card. And also, too, just to sort of throw this out there as a, as a final parting note, you know, last weekend, Cam Newton's positive test comes out at what, noon on Saturday? Oh, and then you get God. the Saints fullback at like midnight Saturday night. So again, you know, when you talk about it from a contest standpoint, your hands are kind of tied. You got to put in your picks whenever your proxy says you have to or whenever the deadline is. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know you were on New England last week, and then, of course, Cam Newton winds up not playing. So you wonder about that, too, how much people are scared now to bet, you know, more than 15 minutes before the game starts because you just don't know with COVID now. I know among public betters, it's all over the place. I get it all the time. Why bet until game day? You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's a public Betting perception, the thought process, not for me. I'm still firing away. And whenever I think a number's right, I got to fire away. I haven't been fortunate, at least compared to what was expectation, but I, I got to still fire. But I know the public's probably not. Well, professional handicapper and better Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And what's going on over at the website right now, brother? Yeah, it's always same old, same old. 
we talk about my newsletter. I write up every game every week, college, NFL, and I know people want picks. Okay, the picks are fine, 13 and 9. That's not bad. That's winning. I'd take that the rest of my life, die a very rich man, uh, hopefully. But, again, I always say buy for the info, buy for the process, the thought process to get my power ratings, projected lines, write-ups on every game. Get it for the entire season at 79 bucks. college and pro all the way through the Super Bowl. BradPowerSports.com. And make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, it's always a fun time, man. I really enjoyed today's show. I think we gave out a lot of good information and also you know, used our soapboxes here for a little bit of uh, self-therapy. So I <laughs> appreciate the did. time, man. Thank you so much, brother. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for having me on, man. There you go. There's professional handicapper and better Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. And as I mentioned already, I'll be back on Friday with my picks for week five in the Circus Sports Million. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.